we turn to God's Word together this morning, I invite you to turn with me to the songbook of the Bible, and you know to which I refer, the Psalms. Uh, we're going to look at one of those Psalms that uh, we've likely heard, turned to for encouragement many times over, Psalm 121. It's been a comfort for God's people through the ages, Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills, from where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep. You're going out. You're coming in from this time forth and forever. Father, this is a great comfort coming from You, our God, the One who has made us for Yourself. We read and we are comforted and assured that not only have You made us, but You are the One who keeps us. Lord, reassure us on this day, this moment as we read and contemplate this song of your people, a song that has been sung by your people through the ages. May we find great comfort and assurance through these words. We thank you for the freedom, the privilege that is ours to approach your word uh, together, though we are reading and studying it and contemplating it in different places again on this day. Uh, It is you, Lord, who are with us, keeping us, watching over us, and guiding us um, by your righteous right hand. Uh, Be glorified now in the preaching of your word. Uh, Help us to listen, to be attentive, speak faithfully through your servant. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. On the frequent walks around my neighborhood, which I've been doing quite a bit, walking the neighborhood, I try to walk down each court and each cove except for one, and that is Lisa Lane, because I know if I walk down Lisa Lane, I'm really going down. It is a steep hill, and at the bottom, I'm going to have to turn around and walk up that steep hill, which I try and avoid on most walks. It would probably be good for my legs and getting the exercise, but if I want to uh, extend my steps and I just walk a little bit more on the, the flatter part of the neighborhood, because walking uphill or running uphill is hard. It's typically something that we want to avoid unless we're doing, you know, we want to feel the burn and and get that strength training. Um, And that way of of looking at hills is something familiar to the psalmist. The hills could have potential advantages, but they were also very dangerous and something uh, to be avoided. And this song is the second in a collection of 15 Song of Ascents, they're called. And from what we can gather, that description, uh, they're given that because the people would sing these songs as they were making their way towards Jerusalem. And from just about anywhere in Israel, you have to ascend toward the holy city of Jerusalem. And there is some Jewish tradition that will associate this collection of 15 songs with 15 steps of the temple and the people would sing or recite these psalms while they were climbing the steps of the temple. That may have happened as well, but 
uh, the strongest support is for the people of God ascending uh, to Jerusalem for the feast, singing these songs as they went. And then later on, they would become part of the temple liturgy itself. And so the psalm writer is looking to the hills and he's either sharing this dialogue with another who is answering his question or he's having this conversation with himself. He's asking the question, answering, and then supporting his answer from what he knows is true of God. Where is my help? The hills could provide some protection, like they did for David as he was fleeing from his enemies. But they're also dangerous for someone who's a lonely traveler to the city. One can slip easy on the hills. Or they're a place for robbers to hide out and potentially ambush. Where does my help come from? Have you asked that question lately? Maybe you're asking that question right now. Where does my help come from? We lift up our eyes and we see any number of hills before us. And not just the steep pavement like Lisa Lane in my neighborhood. We see the hill of extended periods of having to work from home. And home may not be the safest place all the time. We're seeing the hill of mounting bills when the work seems to be slowing down. We're seeing the hill of illness or doctor's appointments or extended treatments. Hill of uncertainty over education or you know, the economy or the summer plans that we've had. Where is our help? It's an important question. And so much of our hope hinges on how we answer this question. So for the church, for us, it may sound like a somewhat rhetorical question. We have an answer at the ready. Many of us know this psalm after all. We've turned to it countless times. Our help is in the Lord. It's our answer. It's on our tongues, but it's much harder for us to believe. We look for our help in all sorts of places. We look for security in all kinds of things, even though we know this answer so well. So the Lord, who knows our hearts, has graciously put these words to what it is we're thinking, what we need answered so often. The psalmist looks to God as the creator and the keeper of his people. And that's where we must turn over and over again, to God as creator and keeper. There is a banner that is draped over the marble partition at the very front of the Air Force Academy Chapel. Uh, so all of the, the cadets, the staff, any visitors who go in can read these words. I, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? And I can remember sitting in the chapel during training, reading and rereading those words. And all I had to do was turn my head 90 degrees to see the hills rising on the front range. Hills that were a menace during training. But gazing at the hills, it lifted my eyes to the answer to this question. From where does my help come? It doesn't come from those hills. They are not the source of strength or comfort or assurance. The help comes from the maker of those hills. So the hills lift our eyes, they lift our hearts to contemplate the greatness of the Creator. 
My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Those words just ring in the hearts of God's people. They've been a part of the ancient creeds. The Apostles' Creed is the most familiar to us. The one who made heaven and earth out of nothing by the very word of His power. The power of the Creator is unlimited. The prophets will tell us this in places like Isaiah 40 or Jeremiah chapter 10. In Jeremiah it says, It is He who made the earth by His power, who established the world by His wisdom, and by His understanding stretched out the heavens. If that is our answer, if the Creator of everyone and everything is the source of our help, then we have a great help. This is a help that cannot be exhausted. And it's not just a sufficient help. This is, this is an overflowing, over-the-top help and blessing from the One who made us. Psalm 100, we hear, we sing, It is He who made us and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. And the language very literally reads, He made us and not us. We didn't make ourselves. We are finite creatures made by an infinite God. And and we tend to forget this. We tend to step over that line of of creature and creator. Thinking that we know ultimately what is best for us. and We'll be our own help. Or we have the wisdom, we dare we say even the ability of the Creator. Adam and Eve believed this lie, and things have been a mess ever since. And we're faced with a unique situation right now, not unique in the history of the world by any means. Uh, But such a pandemic like this has a way of showing us that we are weak, finite creatures. That we do not have the power or control that so often we think we have. May it shift our eyes, shift the eyes of our hearts to the Creator, the one who has made us and made us for a purpose. Bring glory to His name. My help comes from the Lord. We see that capital L-O-R-D. The God who is, the, the God who revealed Himself personally to His people, made covenant with them. We'll hear this you know, again, when talking about God as keeper, but there is, there is a corporate as well as personal help here. Simply by the covenant name of God that's being used. He is the source of help for all of His people collectively, all of the time. He has delivered and provided for all of His people. And just a few Psalms later, at the end of 124, it says, Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. So God's people can encourage each other. They should encourage each other with these words. God is your help and mine and and for our brothers and sisters all around the world. We need one another in the church and God is our help. It's recorded that the great reformer John Calvin used these words as a call to worship to just about every service that he led. Our help is in the name of the Lord. But it's also very personal. My help comes from the Lord. My God and Father cares for me personally. So it's not a contradiction. It's a beautiful compliment. God is our help and my help. 
Dr. David Calhoun has he's really made this song his own over the last uh, many years as he's been fighting cancer. And he shared that in times of suffering and trial, uncertainty, we can think that we are the starling. And that with, with this, all the birds around our house right now, this picture is just really clear. There, there's a starling who's sitting on the branch with a couple of sparrows. And the starling turns to the sparrows and says, well, we know God's eyes are upon you, but we starlings have to fend for ourselves. We can think at times that we are outside of God's care. That He doesn't really hear or see what's going on with little old me. And if He does, well, He's really you know, not all that interested. There are bigger things to worry about. Hear the personal answer of this song. My help comes from the Lord. The psalmist uh, continues, verses 3-8. through He's elaborating on this answer. The Lord, the one who made heaven and earth, is our keeper. He's our guardian and protector. And that repetition makes it a major theme in this song. Earlier in the week, uh, the British Prime Minister who had contracted the coronavirus, was released from the hospital. And for a time, he was in intensive care. And when he left the hospital, he attributed so much of his recovery to the nurses who stood by his bedside night and day, just watching for any change, any change of oxygen level that they would need to help with. And they were right there. This is the idea. The Lord keeps watch. He's attentive to every change every need of His people. And this is around the clock, verses 3 and 4. He doesn't need any breaks. He cannot be distracted. He's certainly not caught napping. It was a common belief of the time that the pagan gods could actually be preoccupied or they could be sleeping and just not hear the pleas of those crying out to them. Not so for the God of Israel. The traveler on his way to Jerusalem could be confident of the Lord's care and protection at all times. Day and night against troubles that would be known, like the heat of the sun during the day, or troubles unknown. You know, what's in the shadows at night? God's people are kept. They are secure at all times. And really, this is a wonder, isn't it? As we consider God's care for us, being attentive to the needs of His children at all times, and in every place. Maybe we have an increased appreciation for this right now when we are around our own children at all times and in every place. Whew. This does not exhaust the capacity or the tenderness of our God as it exhausts us just in one day. And we're not able to watch over our children all the time and in every place. But God can and He does. He is our keeper. The one who keeps us will not let your foot be moved. Thinking of those who are regular climbers, either outdoor climbers or indoors, they'll often wear these special climbing shoes that help grip the surface. The last time I went uh, climbing, it was an indoor wall, and I was just wearing my typical everyday walking shoes, and several times I slipped on those pegs. And we read of the foot slipping in the Bible, so often it refers to our sin. Let's give you an example of this from Psalm 37. The law of his God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. So 
he doesn't slip or stumble. He doesn't leave, depart from God's law. The Lord our Keeper protects us from sin. It doesn't mean we will never sin, but there is this hedge of protection from from the danger and the ultimate destruction of our sins. See, sin is very dangerous, far more dangerous than the suffering that we may experience. I don't recall who gave this contrast offhand, but they said an ounce of sin can harm us more than a ton of suffering. And Jesus was, was very clear about this. If your eye causes you to sin, or your hand causes you to sin, get rid of them. That's how serious this is. Keep, keep the end in mind. Okay, Better to lose parts of your body when you can keep, keep from losing everything in eternal destruction. See, sin sears our conscience. It hardens our hearts to the things of God. While suffering, if we see it as, as coming from God and under His sovereign hand, that can actually grow us and, and deepen our dependence and affection for Christ. We'll say more on that in a second. But the Lord is your shade at your right hand. We certainly understand the need for shade with Arkansas summers, which are getting nearer and nearer for us. The cool shade, it's a relief, it's a refreshment from the blazing heat. Our keeper refreshes us on the journey. He may do this through physical means, but he also refreshes us spiritually by his very presence. He may give us just the right word in that time of quiet or from a friend over the phone. The very Spirit of God refreshes us and comforts us. And in verses 3 through 6, which is kind of what we've been looking at, had that that present keeping of the Lord in mind. Then those closing verses, 7 and 8, have more of a future aspect. The Lord will keep you from evil, He will keep your life. Not wishful thinking, but it's a certainty. Just as the Lord is guarding and protecting you now, so He will do forever. He will keep your life. This is our whole existence. Not just what your body needs in this very moment today. He knows and cares about that. But He knows what our bodies and souls need for eternity. This is why the psalmist can can sing with such confidence. He will not let your foot be moved. He he who keeps you uh, will not slumber. He will keep you from all evil. And I know it rolls off our tongues, but do we really believe this? Do we believe this in a world of coronavirus? Dr. John Lennox, heard an interview of his this last week. He's a professor of mathematics at Oxford and uh, also a very well-known apologist. And uh, he published a book, probably record time publishing a book, but it's called Where is God in a Coronavirus World? Uh, And in this book, compassionately addresses that age-old question. Where, you know, where is God in all of this? Does God really care? Does God love us? And so in this interview, he makes reference to the account of Jesus and Lazarus. You may remember that when Jesus heard that Lazarus was ill and at the point of death, he waited. He stayed where he was. And so he waits until Lazarus 
dies before going to Bethany. He knew exactly what would happen with Lazarus. He knew exactly what it is he would do. Who can understand that? Mary and Martha didn't understand it. The disciples certainly didn't understand it. And then when he returns, Jesus enters into their suffering. He, he looks around and he sees what death has done in the short term, and he weeps with them. You know, that, that's really what we need today. That's what so many folks are desiring and looking for. Someone who will enter into their suffering and weep with them. They don't need just a, a simplistic answer when they hear that a loved one is sick or they can't be near a loved one. We weep with those who weep or a very real pain that we're experiencing. This is not the way it's supposed to be. But God's view and His purpose, it stretches to eternity. And could the times that we are in right now during this pandemic, you know, uncertainty, vulnerability, you know, the hills that are before us, could it be you know, what C.S. Lewis called God's megaphone to wake us up? To wake us up to the reality of eternity. That our lives consist in so much more than just the health of our bodies for, for this day or the economic projections for the month ahead or, or our level of education or our likes, watches, and social media. The psalmist shifts our gaze to a total existence. The Lord keeps us in body and spirit. does not promise to keep us from all trouble or pain or stress or even death. Think of another familiar psalm. The, the Good Shepherd in Psalm 23. He goes before us, leading us and, and with us through the valley of the shadow. He keeps us from the evil that, that will ultimately destroy us spiritually. Now we, we are well armed in this life. So take heart. Take heart, church. There's nothing, as the Apostle Paul would write later, nothing that can separate you from His love. And because that is true, the sufferings we face, the loss, the disease, the hills before us, we can actually see them as gifts from the Lord to draw us close, to show us more of His mercy and care and provision. Because these hills are coming from the heart of the same One who has sent His Son. Jesus climbed the most dangerous, the most menacing hill of Calvary to bear the curse for my sin and for yours. So we can be assured, we can sing of God's help for each moment because He has provided for our greatest need in the Lord Jesus. The cross calls us to Christ sufferings, the difficulties we face, call us to Christ. So any hill, any hill that's going to shift our gaze to Christ is a gift from the One who keeps us. So it can be tempting. It can be tempting to look to ourselves for help, for security, to look to our own health, to look to jobs, education, 
you know, the next economic stimulus package to keep us, and it may provide some help for you know, the short term, but they disappear just as quickly as they come. They cannot protect and keep us from all adversity at all times. Think of God's security. God's sovereign security far exceeds any social security. Because like God Himself, it is without limit. There is no end to His care, to His provision in Christ. He is our portion forever. I'd like to encourage us as a, a church family, maybe to commit Psalm 121 uh, to memory and for something a little different, kind of fun, Take a little video of yourself or members of your family reciting Psalm 121 or a portion of it with a creative background or in some creative way. And then send that video to Heath and myself and maybe we can put together a compilation of Psalm 121 by Trinity Fellowship. But commenting on this psalm, William Plummer, he said, Good men must be very unbelieving to make it necessary for the Almighty so often to assure them of His preserving and protecting care. But this is exactly what God has done in His kindness for those of us who are prone to forget and look for our help elsewhere. This song is such a great comfort to God's people. He is our help, our help at all times. Church family, may this be a reassurance to you in these days. Our journey, our lives are in very, very good hands. The Lord is your keeper. Let's go to Him in prayer. Lord God, we praise You that what we have read and meditated upon is so true. That You are present with us, protecting us, guarding us, attentive to our every need. Lord God, You are our portion forever help us to trust this to trust you to lean into this truth and to commit it uh, to our hearts and to our minds in memory lord god you are our help in these moments and in every moment every day every week every month every year that you give to us and we're grateful that you know us and care for us in body and soul be glorified in us, in the lives of your people this day and in this week. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.